0: Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast, and I hope you are ready for a great week ahead. Now, a lot of us right now are experiencing some crazy summer heat. Now, of course, I never know when you're going to listen to the podcast. You could be someone who listens to this particular episode in the wintertime, but right now we are in July... And I am hearing so many of my clients tell me that they are not feeling their best when working out outside right now. And that is very understandable, and there are so many things that you need to be aware of when exercising outside this time of year. Not only how the heat is impacting your workouts, but also how it's impacting your body your health, and we're going to talk about all of that today, including some tips to get you through some of these summer workouts. And I just want to make sure that all of you are staying safe and healthy through some of these really hot months as well. So an awesome episode ahead. All of that after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you from Idea Fitness Journal, the article is titled, Fiber on the Mind. The link between fiber and mood may come down to your gut. I thought this was super interesting because I've never heard of that combination before or that... Uh, calculation, in in a sense, between fiber, your mood, and your gut. So it says that a high-fiber diet has been linked to a range of health benefits, including protective effects against heart disease, cancer, and obesity. And now we can add lower rates of depression to the list, at least if the right gut bacteria are hanging around. A study involving more than 5,800 women of various ages found that premenopausal women with higher intakes of dietary fiber were less likely to experience depression than premenopausal women with lower fiber intake. The same association, however, was not found among postmenopausal women. Now, the researchers who reported their findings in menopause theorized that the difference between the groups may be due to estrogen levels affecting the balance of gut microorganisms in pre- and postmenopausal women. Now, the link between dietary fiber and mental health in women, and likely men as well, might be partially explained by gut-brain interactions, positive changes in gut microbiota composition, brought on by higher fiber consumption could positively affect neurotransmission and future research will need to determine whether estrogen depletion during menopause does indeed make the microbiome less responsive to dietary change, like eating more fiber. And if so, how the effects can be ameliorated. Super interesting. I always teach my clients, you've got to eat fiber. So Within my program, I try to help people lose weight. That's usually the goal, but I'm just not interested in fad diets or starvation as a way to make that happen. The only way I want my clients to lose weight is in a healthy, sustainable way. And so in order to do that, I always talk to them and work with them daily with their food logs about the quality of their food intake. And I can often tell if the quality of their intake is good or not good on a certain day based on how much fiber that they're getting. And a lot of clients tell me, "Wow, I've done so many diet programs and I've been I've had so many nutrition coaches and no one's ever worked with me on how much fiber I should be eating, what kind of foods I should be eating to get that fiber in." And I really think that people underestimate the value of quality of eating quality of food, and when you eat the right foods with the right amount of fiber in them, that helps you reach that efficiency and quality in nutrition. So I can't just let people lose weight by just not feeding them enough calories, because I know that that's not sustainable. I honestly, I'm so passionate about making and helping and educating people to understand all the different aspects of nutrition, like fiber. But when I saw this article, I thought it was absolutely fascinating to see this definite connection with fiber and depression and mood. And it just, to me, it just goes to show once again that real food, foods with fiber, like vegetables, like fruit, whole grains, those are the things that are going to make you feel better. Um, so I loved this article. It was a short one, but I love that. And I hope that they do more research on it because I think it's super interesting and always a great way to remember that food and nutrition is truly Our best medicine. Now, let's talk about this summer heat, right? I don't know where you live, but I live in Austin, Texas, and we are just dying in the heat already. Not only do we have the heat here in Austin, but we have the humidity, which is such a joy as well, right? Now, a lot of my information today comes from Mayo Clinic, just so you know where some of the research comes from, and they talk a lot about how heat affects your body. Now, exercising in hot weather is always going to be like an extra stressor out there on your body, right? And if you don't take care of yourself when you're exercising in the heat, you are actually risking serious illness, potentially, it it can basically lead to. Now, both the exercise itself and the air temperature and humidity are going to increase your core body temperature. And to help cool yourself down, your body sends more blood to circulate through your skin and that's how your body cools off and this leaves less blood for your muscles which in turn increases what your heart rate now if you have the joy of humidity like we do here in Texas and that humidity is high Your body faces another added stress because sweat doesn't readily evaporate from your skin in that type of humidity, and that pushes your body temperature even higher. (sighs) Okay, so should you even work out outside when it is hot? And is it going to impact your health to a level that's really going to make any serious difference? Is it going to affect your performance? Is there anything you can do about it? Well, let's first start off with this. Yes, you can work out in the summertime. You can work out in the heat. It can be done if you take precautions. Now, for some reason, I have chosen to train for the Chicago Marathon three times. Not right now. (laughs) I haven't come back to it quite yet. But I've decided three times that I would do it, and that marathon is in October. So guess when the training for that is? It's all through Texas summer. It's such a joy. Clearly, the training is like childbirth, and I must keep forgetting the agony I put myself through every summer that I train for that marathon. But honestly, I'm able to do it because I follow some basic guidelines that we're going to talk about today. And I always survive (laughs) those summer marathon trainings, although I'm not going to lie, they definitely take a toll on you. Now, let's talk about what can go wrong if you don't take some of these precautions when working out in the heat. Things called heat related illness. Now, under normal conditions, your skin, blood vessels, and perspiration, your sweat level, they will adjust to the heat. But these natural cooling systems that the body has, can fail if you're exposed to temperatures that are so high or if you're exposed to humidity for so long or if you're a super heavy sweater and you don't drink enough fluids. The result from that could be heat-related illness. And these illnesses occur along quite a different spectrum, starting out mild, but worsening if left untreated and you keep going. So what are some of these heat-related illnesses? Well, the first one would be heat cramps, sometimes called exercise-associated muscle cramps. And they're pretty painful muscle contractions that can happen when you're exercising. The affected muscles may feel sort of tight and firm when you touch them, and you may feel muscle pain, you might have spasms, and your body temperature might actually be normal at that point. You could also get heat, syncope, and exercise-associated collapse. This heat syncope is a feeling of lightheadedness or fainting caused by these high temperatures, often occurring after standing for a long, period of time, or standing quickly after sitting for a long period of time. An exercise-associated collapse is feeling lightheaded or fainting immediately after exercise, and it can occur especially if you immediately stop running and stand after a race or a long run which is why you never want to just stop exercising. If you're going for a run and it's hot outside and your run is done, you finish that mileage, don't just stop and come to a stand and maybe you're drinking your water bottle. you got to walk and you've got to slowly recover. So even in the heat, you have to do sort of a slow cool down so that you don't get this lightheadedness and technically could even collapse. Now the next level up would be heat exhaustion. With heat exhaustion, your body temperature is actually rising. It could go up to as high as 104 degrees Fahrenheit. And this could also be in combination with nausea, vomiting, weakness, headache, fainting, sweating, even cold clammy skin. And if it is left untreated, the heat exhaustion can lead to heat stroke. Now, this just happened to my husband a couple weeks ago because for whatever reason, we have decided that Saturday mornings we would go run down at Town Lake in Austin because it is shaded much more than where we live. And so we thought that that would help. But the reality was we started a little too late because we live a little far from downtown. So by the time on a Saturday we actually got down there and we ran 10 miles together, my poor husband, by the end, he just, he couldn't keep going. He didn't feel good. And he said, I got to walk. So he sort of walked, jogged the last maybe mile, and I could tell that he was not feeling his best. And when we got to the car, he hydrated and we went home. And then literally he got in bed for like two hours afterwards. Now, the reason was, was because he had heat exhaustion. He just pushed himself too much. He might not have been hydrated enough the day before, which then impacts that morning run. Um, Potentially, he needed more sodium and salt. Like, those are good days when it's super hot out there to take a salt pill. Sounds crazy, especially if you're one of my clients and I'm always on you for too high sodium. When you're out there sweating for over an hour in the heat, sometimes you actually need a salt pill. So anyway, heat exhaustion just happened uh, in front of my eyes with my my poor husband, but he's fine now. Um, but just so you know, the next step after heat exhaustion would be heat stroke, and heat stroke is truly a life-threatening emergency that occurs when your body temperature is now over 104 degrees. And your skin may be dry from lack of sweat, or it could still be moist. It's not like you're going to have one or the other necessarily. Now with heat stroke, you might develop confusion irritability, headache, heart rhythm problems, dizziness, fainting, nausea, vomit, visual problems, and definitely fatigue. And you need immediate medical attention when this happens. They say because it could prevent brain damage, God forbid, because the temperature, your fever basically, is getting so high, potentially even organ failure. And they say if maxed out heat stroke is not treated, you could to potentially die from it. Um, Obviously, that's a huge extreme, but these are things you have to think about. So how do you know? I mean, you need to pay attention to the warning signs, and that means really being present in your body when you're working out in the heat outside. Now, during hot weather exercise, you want to watch for signs and symptoms of any of these heat-related type illnesses. If you ignore them, your condition is likely going to get worse, and that's when it results in more of a medical emergency. So what are some things that you can look for, and maybe if they happen to you, a little red flag will go up and you will say, oh, I remember, this is a concern. If you have those muscle cramps starting, then just know that's sort of a first warning sign. If you have nausea and vomiting. I mean, if you're vomiting out there, you've clearly passed the point. And I hope that you see that as the red flag for sure. If you're starting to feel particularly weak or an extreme amount of fatigue that you normally wouldn't have at that point in the workout, if you start getting a headache while you're out there, excessive sweating, dizziness, lightheaded, again, some of these symptoms that we just talked about, confusion, irritability low blood pressure, increase heart rate, if your vision starts to become impaired or maybe even blurry, if you have any of these symptoms, you gotta lower your body temperature, and you've got to get hydrated right away. And what you need to do is you need to stop exercising right then and there, and you need to get yourself out of the heat. If possible... Have someone stay with you who can sort of help monitor your condition. Now, I say if possible, I mean, you might be out there on a run by yourself. Just think about that. In the summertime, maybe you shouldn't be alone. Or maybe you make sure you have your phone with you or a way that you can contact your partner or a friend who can come and get you if anything should happen. And always let someone know where you are going to work out if you are doing it alone as well. Now, in cases of heat stroke, due to confusion and the mental status changes that can take place you're really not going to be able to treat yourself and you might require that emergency medical care. Again, that's at that heat stroke level, which is the sort of max of all the heat related illnesses. The most effective way of rapid cooling is to immerse your body in some kind of cold, um, ice water tub, something like that to get the core temperature down. Now, in cases of heat exhaustion, you want to remove extra clothing or sports equipment if you're wearing any, you know, think of these kids who are out there playing football in in the heat too. If it happens to them, you want to take off that equipment. You want to make sure that you are around people, again, who can help you in case you get to that next level of heat stroke. So you might even tell someone, hey, I'm not feeling very well right now. Can you just keep an eye on me? Um, You want to fan your body. You want to wet down your body with cool water. Anything to start bringing your temperature down. You may place um, cool, wet towels or even ice packs on your neck. What is it about your neck? It is so soothing as soon as you do that. So if, if you even have like a wet rag, put it, around your the back of your neck, um, even your forehead, under your arms, spray yourself with water from a hose or a shower if you have access, or even just sit in your tub with cold water. And definitely you need to be drinking fluids as much as you can in those instances, even a sport drink at that point, you've got to start replenishing the hydration and potentially the electrolytes as well if you don't feel better within about 20 minutes you might want to seek emergency medical care now when do you see a doctor like when should you know if there's a problem and and you need to get help well If you do have signs of heat stroke, you'll need immediate medical help. And that's if your core temperature um, is over that 104, right? Now, if your core temperature is less than 104, but it doesn't come down quickly, you may still need some kind of medical attention. So if you are home, take your temperature, see where it's at, And if after you sort of cool down with some wet rags and hydration, that temperature is not coming down at all. That's an indication that you might want to get medical help. Now, in some cases you might need fluids through an IV. I mean, that, that means you really pushed yourself to a serious point of dehydration, but sometimes the IV fluid can really help replenish you and make you feel better very fast. Uh, And you want to get cleared by your doctor before you return to exercise if you did have heat stroke. Your doctor's likely going to recommend that you wait to return to exercise or sports until all of those symptoms have passed. And if you've had a heat stroke, you may require several weeks, actually, before you go back to exercise at a high level. And again, you want to get the doctor's clearance. So... It is serious. Heat stroke, it's very serious, and it does take a real toll on your body. Now, how do you avoid heat-related illness, right? You, when you exercise in hot weather, there's a few precautions that you can definitely take. For one, you want to watch the temperature, right? So pay attention to the weather forecasts and the heat alerts and know what the temperature is expected to be for the duration of your workout period that you planned on doing outside. In running events, there are flag warnings that basically correspond to the degree of heat and humidity. So for example, a yellow flag requires careful monitoring and races are canceled if the black flag goes up. All right, so when I do marathons, almost always they talk about what level of heat there is, what the monitoring is, and they they show the flag and they email you throughout the days coming up what flag it is and what you need to be concerned about, if you need to be concerned. Now, watch the temperature. So that's the first thing. So like if I have a long run on Saturday morning, I'm always checking the weather on Friday. I want to see where things are at. If potentially it was gonna be so out of control, hot and humid the next morning, that might mean that I make some changes to my workout that next morning. So we'll talk about that as well. But watch the temperature, so check the weather forecast, all right? The next thing you wanna do is you wanna get acclimated. If you're used to exercising indoors or in cool weather, then you've got to take it easy at first when you exercise in the heat and especially the humidity. It can take at least one to two weeks to really adapt to this hotter weather. And as your body adapts to the heat over time, gradually at that point, you can increase the length and maybe intensity of your workouts. But if you're like from California, (laughs) if you're from SoCal and you're in that 70 degrees all year long with maybe a chance of a cloud (laughs) and you come to Texas, you're not going to want to jump into a 10-mile run on your second day here, I can assure you. It will not end well. You've got to acclimate. You've got to ease in. Now, the next thing is you really need to know your fitness level. If you're unfit, or you haven't been exercising for a long time or ever, right, you got to be extra cautious when working out in the heat. Your body may have a lower tolerance to the heat, you reduce your exercise intensity by all means, take a whole lot of breaks. If you're a beginner and you decided you want to become a runner and it's summertime, Just make sure you ease in, you're not going to go for a full hour on your first try. Maybe you do mostly walking with a little bit of jogging in between. Know your fitness level. Then, this is a given, and yet I see so many people not take it seriously. You have to drink plenty, plenty, plenty of fluids. Dehydration is probably the most key factor in heat-related illness. You've got to help your body sweat and cool down by staying incredibly well hydrated. And when I say hydrated, I mean with water. And don't wait until you're thirsty to be drinking that water. If you plan to exercise really hard or for a really long period of time, over one hour, that is when you can consider some type of sport drink, instead of water. So sports drinks basically have sodium, chloride, potassium. The electrolytes that you lose when you're sweating are in some of these sport drinks. Be cautious, though, of what sport drinks you're using. A lot of them have dye, artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners. If you're at the level where you're working out over an hour in the heat, I would really like for you to do your homework on what the healthiest electrolyte drinks are and what which ones work for you. So there's so many out there. Um, some people love scratch, some people use none, but I'm gonna tell you right now, none N-U-U-N. A lot of those do not have even close to enough electrolytes and sodium in them to get you through a really hot workout. So be careful with that one. Um, Gatorade Endurance is one that I use. Gatorade Endurance is something you have to buy online. It is not the Gatorade bottle you buy at 7-Eleven, all right? It does not have dye. It does not have artificial sweeteners, um, no artificial flavors. I wish they would do that with all of their products, but they don't. But they do it with Gatorade Endurance, and that tends to be what is on most race courses. So when I am training for a race, I will generally use Gatorade Endurance because it has maximum amounts of electrolytes. And again, it doesn't have the bad stuff in it. Um, That being said, again, there are tons of brands right now that you can get, but you do have to check the labels. But staying hydrated is key. And again, you don't really need any of those sports drinks unless you're working out over one hour, or if you're a particularly heavy, heavy sweater, or it is just so hot and so humid out there that you need more than water. Sometimes your body will let you know. The next thing on the list that can help you is to honestly to wear the right thing. What do I mean by that? You want to wear something very lightweight, something loose-fitting. That helps the sweat evaporate, because that is going to keep you a lot cooler. You want to avoid dark colors, because those are going to absorb the heat. You do not want to be hotter out there because you decided to wear all black. That is not going to help cool you off, right? So if possible, wear a light-colored outfit um, and some kind of hat to keep that sun off your face. The next thing you'll want to do, you don't want to work out in the middle of the day, right? So timing is certainly important if you're going to be exercising in the summer. Exercising in the morning or the evening when it's likely to be a little cooler outside is going to be your best bet. If you can exercise in a shady area, that's going to be your best bet, right? Or even some people are going to choose to do a water workout. Maybe you're going to swim on a super hot day instead of run because you want to avoid that extra heat. All of those are great things. Technically, in Texas, I tell all my clients, you got to get up super early to do your runs. At this point in July, it's not an option to really go after 9 o'clock, in my opinion. On any run, it is just too hot, it is too humid, and it's too much of a risk um, for for heat stroke. Uh, So you definitely want to go early morning. I don't even think evening is an option in Texas because it's still super hot out. You also want to wear sunscreen. Right, everyone? Because a sunburn decreases your body's ability to cool itself, and of course, it's going to increase the risk of skin cancer. So don't just wear a hat. That's not going to cut it. You've got to wear sunscreen as well. And then I think it's super important that you have a backup plan. If you're concerned about the heat or the humidity, stay indoors. If it's, if it's something that's concerning you and you just know you're going to have a terrible workout if you go outside, if you can run on a treadmill indoor, do that. If you can do a cardio workout instead indoor, do that. Work out at the gym. Um, walk laps inside at the mall if that's your only option. Climbing stairs in the air conditioning is a great workout too. But have a backup plan in case you wake up that morning and it's off the charts, hot out. And then the best thing you can do is is basically listening to this podcast episode so that you understand the medical risks out there with heat-related illness. And if you plan to exercise in the heat um, and you know some of these uh, symptoms to look for, it's going to hopefully prevent the ones from getting worse. So to start listening to your body if you see those early symptoms, even something like muscle cramps, you might wanna slow down, walk, or start heading back to your car. It's not the time to just pick it up and get further away from your car with a further run if you start feeling some of these symptoms. So heat-related illnesses, That yes, they are pretty preventable if you take your basic precautions. Um, it's not like you have to sideline your exercise routine. Like I said, i trained for marathons all through the Texas summer, but I have to do it super early in the morning. So when we did our long runs, I mean, we started at 545 in the morning and that meant I had to get downtown by 545, actually by 530 because I had to park. I had to use the restroom. That meant that I had to leave my house around 445 and you have to eat before you do a long run. So I used to get up at four in the morning to make all of those things happen so that I didn't risk some kind of heat related illness to do a long run in the heat. So you gotta start early and yes it can be done, right? Now let's talk briefly about how does the heat actually impact your performance? So and this is mostly for my athletes so whether you're a runner or a biker, If you're working out outside, and we all tend to have our longest workouts on the weekends, that tends to be the the long run, the endurance runs for my runners, or the brick workouts where they do a long bike ride into a run. When you're doing that in the summertime, one impact um, that this is going to have on you when you work out in the heat is that you are going to just naturally be more dehydrated from a workout like that. So staying on top of your hydration, your electrolytes, it's so important. That's the point when you want to make sure you've done your sweat test. You know exactly how much fluid you're losing from sweat by weighing yourself before and after. If that's something you don't know and you want to do a sweat test, um, I have a program called Fuel That Body where... I put you through the sweat test, and then I tell you how many ounces of fluid you should be drinking uh, after your, you know, during your long bike ride, basically, how much sodium you should be taking in per hour. All that kind of stuff is incredibly important when you get to that athletic level. So one of the impacts that that's going to have on you is you're going to be more dehydrated, and even if you stay on top of hydration. Trust me when I say your body gets dehydrated out there. Now, another impact that the heat is going to have on your performance is that you should expect the heart rate is just going to be higher. This is not the best time of year to be practicing heart rate training, meaning I do a lot of heart rate training on my, with myself and then with my clients where we do a lot of our long runs at that very low, casual, slow, I can talk conversation pace. And we do that to try to keep the heart rate at a nice aerobic level. For a million reasons, that's a whole podcast in itself. But when you're working out in the heat, you've got to expect that the heart rate is naturally going to be higher. It's going to be much harder in the summer to keep your heart rate down. So expect a higher heart rate when you are working out in the heat. Another thing that you should expect is it's going to slow you down. If you're, you know, a 10K runner and you run a 10K in the wintertime and then you run a 10K in the summertime here in Texas, almost always that 10K in the summertime will be slower because the heat is just beating you down. And think about it, your heart rate's already high just from the temperature alone. So generally, I'm not gonna say always, I'm not saying you're not gonna have a PR in the summer, I I, see, I do see it happen, but you should be prepared that the heat will generally slow you down. Now in some respects, I think it can make you a tougher, stronger athlete because sometimes coming out of summer into fall weather, you're like the strongest you've ever been because you've been w- working out in the summer is like working out with a weighted vest. <laughs> That's what I tell clients. So then in the fall, it's like taking the vest off and you're fast and your heart rate's down and you feel great. So it can be like training with a weighted vest, which is hard, but then the end result can be great. But you should just expect that you might be slower in the summertime. And then the last thing that you should realize about performance and and working out in the heat is that it is going to be harder to recover, most likely. So you sweat so much more. Hopefully you replenished your fluids and your electrolytes and your calories. If you can do those things really well, the recovery is going to be a lot easier. But I do find that for myself and for a lot of clients, The day after those big workouts in the heat, you tend to just feel sluggish and tired. And usually it's just a result of a harder recovery period. Your body took an extra beat down. Not only was the workout long, not only was the workout hard, but you had that extra stressor of the heat. And again, it is an extra stressor on the body. And so you should be prepared that you might need two days to recover after a really hot summer workout instead of maybe what used to take you one. So you just really want to honor your body by being really present when you're working out in the heat and then even after working out in the heat. How did you feel? Are you so wiped out that you're in bed the whole day? Because then you overdid it. You shouldn't feel like that. Um, Or maybe you didn't hydrate enough. The last thing I want to say about sort of how to prepare yourself for summer workouts is that it's not enough to just hydrate during the workout or even that morning. The hydration starts 100% the day before, if not two days before. If you don't take in enough fluids the day before your endurance run or your brick workout, it's going to be a slow demise out there. It's just, you can't You can't make up for it once you're already sweating and on the bike or once you're already sweating and running from what you missed out on the day before. So make sure that you take that seriously. So the day before I do any long run, I am hydrating all day at an extra amount than I normally would. Like I'm just on top of my water drinking a little more than an average day to make sure that I go into that run the next morning fully hydrated. And then staying on top of the hydration during the workout, drinking every 10 minutes, basically making sure that I'm constantly hydrating throughout. So super important. That will make you feel so much better throughout as well. Now just knowing all of these things will for sure help you this summer. But truly, please take the precautions that are needed and take them seriously. And be okay with a slower pace out there in the summertime. And if you're super wiped out after these outdoor workouts and you just feel terrible the rest of the day or the next day, that's your body talking to you and saying, hey, that was just too much. And so that means next time maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need to cut the workout a little bit shorter. Or maybe you need to ask yourself, did I hydrate enough before and during and after that workout? Did I need more electrolytes perhaps as well? Um, maybe you need to bring the workout indoor, like if you just felt so horrible, like my poor husband that day, which was a hydration issue primarily, you know, ask yourself, do you need to modify the workout? Do you need to bring it inside? What do you need to do to stay safe? Always, the most important thing, stay safe, stay healthy. Now this goes for those teenagers as well, and so many of them are out there doing amazing things. But the teens just go, right? And I don't know that they are super present in their body. They're talking to their friends. They're doing what their coach is telling them for football. They're under a lot of pressure out there. But you might have them listen to today's podcast episode or share with them what you're learning in terms of these symptoms so that they also can think about it. Hey, I'm starting to cramp up. Um, hey, I'm starting to feel a little nauseous. That would be something that would be legitimate and okay to tell their coach so that they can sit down, get some Gatorade, whatever it takes to get them hydrated to feeling good so that they don't end up in a state of heat stroke. It happens. It happens to a lot of kids out there, especially football, Texas football. It happens. They're wearing all that equipment. It's scary, too. It's scary for them. It's scary for the parent. So share with them this podcast or some of the symptoms that we talked about, some of the precautions that they can take as well. And then, for sure, if you could share this podcast on social media, if you loved it, give it a share to your stories or a share to your Facebook page. Because the more people that we can reach, the more people I can help. And that is truly my goal with the Earn That Body podcast is to help and pay health forward to as many people as I can. So, everybody, get that water. Stay hydrated. Have a great summer workout this week. I want you to still get out there if you can. But take the precaution do what you can to be safe and healthy. And I will see you right back here next week for another great episode on the Earn That Body podcast. Take care, everyone. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to EarnThatBody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.